Remember the Thai cave rescue? What about the mission depicted in Black Hawk Down or the epic rescue shown in Captain Phillips? You've probably heard of all of these, but did you know that U.S. Air Force Special Warfare played a pivotal role in all of them? These airmen are the most highly trained warriors on the planet. Other forces like the SEALs and Army Rangers call on them to provide skills no one else can. Not many people make the cut, but if you think you can, visit AirForce.com to learn more. This is the Busted Open Podcast. You can listen to the full show Monday through Saturday from 9 a.m. to noon Eastern on Sirius XM Fight Nation Channel 156. Welcome to the Busted Open Podcast. This is Dave LaGreca. On today's episode, WWE Hall of Famer, Bully Ray and I get into AEW and NXT. And what are people talking about? The little song and dance routine from MJF and Chris Jericho. Did you like it? Did you love it? And why? We get into it. Also, obviously, everything that went on with NXT, which is quickly becoming the best pro wrestling show, and I quote, pro wrestling show of the week. And speaking of wrestling, we talked to WWE champion just days before his big Hell in a Cell match with Randy Orton. Drew McIntyre joins the show right here on the Busted Open Podcast. Once again, we got two very good shows from AEW and NXT, and I want to get your take on this. And it's going to sound crazy, but I think AEW right now is a better sports entertainment show than what we get from the WWE. And NXT is a better pro wrestling show than anything that we're getting from AEW. Not only do I agree, but here's what went through my mind last night after the Jericho MJF segment. I said, self, MJF and Jericho was more entertaining in about 10 minutes than the WWE has been in a long, long time. That was entertainment. As a matter of fact, in Hollywood, I think they have a tagline, now that's entertainment. It's true. (laughs) Ta-da! And that's what we got last night from those guys. You know what it reminded me of, Dave? What's that? And uh, I was trying to figure out after Jericho and MJF, like, what was the inspiration for this? Where did they get this from? Did they borrow this from anything and then make it their own? Like, where did it come from? Um, nothing came to mind immediately from Broadway. Like, I get it. It almost at first I was like, this feels like a scene out of the producers, you know, uh, that, that, that Broadway, uh, that Broadway production. And then I'm like, well, and then I, (laughs) and then I was thinking like, almost like Indiana Jones. And and that wasn't it. Like my mind was going all over the place about what I could relate it to. And then I came up with something, but I want to know from you first, if it reminded you of anything in the world of sports entertainment that you've ever seen before? In the world of sports entertainment. In the world of sports entertainment, I, I would have to say no. Things came to mind when I was watching, like like with you, I was thinking, you know, you know, Dean Martin and Jerry Lewis, like a comedy skit where it then breaks out into song, things like that. But in the world of sports entertainment, nothing really came to mind, Bully. So... Do you know who I think would have been the most entertained 
by Jericho and MJF last night? What's that? Think about it. Who do you think would have loved that segment last night? Vince McMahon. You fucking A right, buddy. (laughs) He would have loved it. And when I thought about how much Vince would have loved that segment, immediately I thought of Land of a Thousand Dances. All right, uh, you know, from uh, the Pile Driver album. <laughs> yeah, because yeah. look at the performer and the entertainer and the song and dance man that Vince McMahon was and is and has always been. So there's Vince McMahon basically coming out and giving you a Broadway uh, a, a Broadway production with Land of a Thousand Dances, putting all the wrestlers in the background, everybody singing. Vince is dancing with dancing girls. He's got his tuxedo on. He's shucking and jiving, moving and grooving. And, yeah, yeah, this is great. I love it. I can gyrate my nether region into everybody. It, that, that's what it reminded me of last night. It was that entertaining. It was extremely entertaining. I agree with you. I was watching him with Violetta, and Violetta was like so into it to the point when we like later that night when the shows were over, she was watching it on her phone again because she was so completely entertained. And Vince McMahon would love to hear that that somebody who isn't a wrestling fan is rewatching a segment that was on his show. And I could I could hear Vince McMahon saying what you just said before. That's entertainment. That's what we do. We put smiles on people's faces. I thought that was, again, to go back to my opening line when we started the show, uh, Bully, is that, you know what? That's sports entertainment. That's like, I think, Vince McMahon's vision of what he wants or a part of what he wants every single Monday night. And, you know, um, our new producer, Ed Robinson, you know, mentioned before the show, it kind of reminded him uh, that's something that he would have seen from Bob Hope and Bing Crosby. And what a lot of people don't know about Ed is he's 97 and he's still producing shows and he would remember things like Bing Crosby and Bob Hope. And he mentioned Frank Sinatra and Sammy Davis Jr. People, you know, me, they, cause they did a, a take on me and my shadow. So like a lot of those things, you know, again, the, the, the song and dance routines from, you know, 70, 60, 70 years ago. Now here's you and I able to talk about how entertaining we found the segment. Yes. Because I don't know about you, Dave. I may, I was able to just detach. It's not, it's not a pro wrestling match. It's not a pro wrestling promo. It's not taking place in a pro wrestling ring. So obviously now this is a different part of the AEW buffet. This is something completely different. And thus, that's the way I'm going to watch it. I'm not going to look at it under the microscope of this is not pro wrestling. Well, pro wrestling is supposed to be a form of entertainment. It's performance art. So last night we got something a little different. So as much as I know I liked it, and me and you haven't talked before uh, the show this morning, I knew that you would like it. <clears throat> and I know that you're going to like it because you're, you're, you're a mega Jericho fan, you know? And I know you're, you dis- as much as you despise MJF and think he's human garbage and filth and you hope he gets run over by a gasoline truck and tastes his own blood, I know you still find him entertaining. 
Yeah, I, right? I, and, and, and to go back to your point, too, really quick about Vince McMahon, you're going to tell me Vince McMahon doesn't find out that MJF has some training? Like, he, you know, I'm, I'm seeing all over social media, he, he did op, he sang opera, he did it on, you know, uh, on, on TV when he was a little kid for crying out loud. So you're going to find, you know, if Vince McMahon finds out that you have some skills and that you could sing, he's going to use that somehow, some way on his program. That's what that segment right there. There is what the WWE right now wishes that they would be able to do. If he could click his heels three times and have any wish he wanted, that's the kind of stuff Vince loves. The point I was going to make is, I know I liked it. I know you liked it. I know why we liked it. But I'll be damned. Did you see all of the people on the old Twitter machine last night who didn't like it? Yeah, it it was split. I would say it was 50-50. And it wasn't like, hey, that was okay. I thought that was okay. No, it was, I loved it, or I completely thought it was shit. That, well, it was that, that separated between the two camps. But it was, I think, from what I saw, split right down the middle 50-50. So I know why people would agree with us and why people loved it. I don't want to necessarily hear from those people today because it's just going to be agree, agree, agree. I would love to hear from the people who didn't like the Jericho MJF segment because I want to know why. I want, I want, give me some, I'm not going to tell you you're wrong for having your opinion. This is for the Busted Open Nation. I'm not going to tell you you're wrong for having your opinion about why you didn't like it, but I'm genuinely interested why a wrestling fan not a hater, a wrestling fan would not like that segment last night. I- I'm genuinely intrigued by why people would say, no, this is not for me. And I, if I can add something to that, Bully, I don't want to hear from the nation what I saw on social media, which is, boy, if the WWE would have done that, everybody would be killing it. Not I want to know... No, I, I, I don't think so. And and you know why? Because I don't think the WWE right now would be able to do that. We have seen them attempt to do those things, Bully, lately. And I'm not talking about the exact type of segment, but, you know, something that is more entertaining. But it seems to go nowhere. There's no reason behind it. I think we all know now this is building towards an epic confrontation between MJF and Chris Jericho. And what they're going to do is each and every week, they're going to give you something a little bit different in this story leading up to that confrontation. Kind of like what we saw with Kevin Owens and Chris Jericho in that festival of friendship a few years ago with the WWE. That's what you're going to see here on a completely different scale where it's like, all right, guys, here you go. You want to be creative? There you go. Go do your thing. And I think last night, Bully was an example of that. So what I don't want to hear from people is, boy, if the WWE did that, you would have killed it because right now, the WWE is not able to do what we saw last night on AEW. Uh, do they have anybody there that they could pull it off with? Conversely, AEW doesn't have anybody like a Bray Wyatt and an Alexa Bliss. No, no, no. I'm not. Yeah, it's it's it's, no, it's like comparing I, apples I'm, to oranges. I agree. Like you're saying I don't want anybody calling in and say, "Well, if the WWE did that, blah blah blah." Listen, I don't know if the WWE has anybody as talented or entertaining. In, in, in the light that we saw, you know, last night 
of a Jericho and MJF. But I don't know if, if AEW has a Bray Wyatt and Alexa Bliss. No, no. And, and, and again, like, I'm not like, again, I'm not throwing out comparisons in that way. Like, our truth, like, our truth can go on your TV. He is so entertaining. He, he can make you laugh. But like, he has been like, unfortunately, because he could be so much more. You know, he is a great wrestler, R-Truth, but he's been like a one-trick pony on that show for a very long time because they've only let you see one side of him for years now in the WWE. He could be an MJF or a Chris Jericho if they would have booked him where you actually see him in the ring wrestling and winning matches. I mean, shit, Bully, he's talented enough. He could be a world champion if they wanted him to be. Our truth is worth so much to the WWE and is so valuable to the WWE, especially Vince, because Vince know, knows a guy like our truth can do anything and everything. The last thing that Vince McMahon needs out of our truth is a good wrestling match because he has a boatload of people who can give him a good wrestling match. However, he doesn't have a boatload of people who can entertain the balls off of you like our truth does. And that's why R-Truth is worth, you know where R-Truth is worth a lot to the WWE? In his mailbox every two weeks. He's, he's taken care of and has been taken care of for a long time. How many times has R-Truth come on your TV where you're not leaving with a smile on your face or entertained? Never. You're, he is extremely entertaining. I just, I just know he could be like this could lead to an epic converse, confrontation with somebody, but they, they chose to go the 24-7 route. And you want to know something? Can't hate on it because it seems to be working. Because not everybody can keep the 24-7 championship as entertaining as R-Truth can. Every time we see them try to do something serious, like have a serious wrestling match for the 24-7 championship, I'm like, get this garbage off my TV. If I wanted to see serious wrestling, I wouldn't be tuning in for the 24-7. I want to see some slapstick. I want to see some comedy. I want to see some some uh, Benny, Benny Hill type stuff with mm -hmm. R-Truth. I want to see him make me laugh. I want to see him hiding in the back. I want to see him dressed up, you know, uh, like, uh, like a woman trying to hide from somebody or like another ninja or whatever it is. That's entertaining to me. And that's what he does so well. Agreed. Now, another, like you talk about other wrestlers in the WWE that could do what we saw from MJF and Chris Jericho. The New Day, obviously, uh, you know, amazing in the ring. They've held championship gold and they could be entertaining as well. The problem with the WWE right now, and, and believe me, we're going to get into a lot of positives with the WWE, especially with NXT in just a moment. But the problem with the WWE is I don't think they ever really let the New Day do what they want to do. A lot of segments that they've tried to do, especially years before on Monday Night Raw, like the old day and things like that, they're so overproduced. Or they're so, like, scripted. And, like, I don't even think they were buying into the madness that was going on in the ring. Because the WWE doesn't really let you go crazy. Here, hey, guys. You have complete 100% freedom. Go out there, do whatever you want, just make it good. I don't know if the WWE lets their performers do that. Now, the New Day, 100 times could do what we saw with MJF and Chris Jericho. But again, it has to make sense. In a storyline that's building up towards an epic confrontation, you know, that's going to be a match, and again, letting their talent be free and be creative, 
again, we've seen a lot of segments with a lot of WWE performers. It just didn't come off the way that could have been because I believe that they got so much of people's fingerprints creatively all over it that it doesn't come off right. I think I should have uh, worded my question to you a little bit better. Uh, I do believe that there are many people in the WWE who are as entertaining as Jericho and MJF. You brought up the New Day. We brought up Truth. I, I think what I meant was, is there anybody there now in a in a, in a storyline who, who are facing each other who could pull that off? Hey, everyone. This is former NFL linebacker and current SiriusXM NFL radio host, Kirk Morrison. And I'm here to tell you about my new podcast, Total Coverage. Each week, I'll be joined by some of the greatest minds in the game as we explore the hows and the whys behind the week's biggest results. Whether we're breaking down player techniques, game plans, or coaching philosophies, we'll explain the details that define our favorite performances. New episodes will be available every Tuesday on the SiriusXM app, Pandora, and Apple Podcasts. And I really do believe that. I think AEW Dynamite is probably the best sports entertainment show of the week. That being said, I believe that NXT is the best wrestling show of the week. And before we get to the NXT, uh, putting NXT over for being a, a really great wrestling show last night, I just want to say that I was laughing my ass off last night and laughing my ass off listening to the uh, uh, to Jericho and MJF singing when we came back from break. Jericho was so blown up. It was awesome. <laughs> he was huffing and puffing. His face was bright red. He couldn't keep up with the young whippersnapper MJF in the song of Dancer. He's like, ah, you want to take it from the top? Ah, ah. He sounded like Stu Hart, me eating an ostrich sandwich. He was breathing so heavy. I, uh, that, <laughs> that, I didn't notice. I have to go back. And oh, I, his I just... face was bright red. His face was as red as your shirt is right now. It's pretty red. <laughs> right, that's pretty um, red. Um, I, I thought they did a phenomenal job. And, and Phenomenal. Again, uh, very, very entertaining. I knew that it would be controversial as far as like social media and our show. I knew that fans would either love it or hate it. I, 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 and I understand it, you know, as an old school wrestling fan, you know, I get it and I, I understand it. And I think that was probably the intent as well to get people talking and everybody's talking about it. So whatever Jericho does bully. We know what it's whether it's the festival friendship or a bit of the bubbly or you know or you just made the list or what we saw with this singing you know me and my shadow at MJF. He is going to get people talking. You just said old school wrestling fan, and you said I know how a lot of old school wrestling fans might not like this, and I don't know why this just popped into my head. If you're an old school wrestling fan, did you like Fuji Vice? Yeah, of course you did. You did. <laughs> if you liked Fuji Vice, how could you not like yes. what you saw last night? But 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 you know, it there was that transitional period too, bully of like, you know, especially if you're if you're watching NXT from last night from beginning to end. Let's just say that you watched NXT first and you watched 2 hours of balls to the wall pro wrestling and then you turn on AEW and you see the the song and dance routine it's it is a it's a clash of two different worlds and i think now you're kind of getting the complete separation i'm not saying that there's not good wrestling on AEW 
There is. Obviously, there is. But right now, when it comes to pure pro wrestling and not only just pure pro wrestling, I'm not just talking match, match, match. I'm talking about storytelling and and personality and character building in the ring. Nobody is doing it as good as NXT. NXT last night was an absolutely awesome pro wrestling show. I loved it. I loved all the action in the ring. I thought everybody did a hell of a job. I liked the thread throughout the show with Undisputed Era and guys in UE getting taken out. I loved Regal getting involved in the middle saying, whatever, you know, if you guys want to face these guys, you're the champs. If you want it, you know, boom, have at it, boys. Shaking hands. I thought that uh, Birch and Lorkin versus Brizango was the match of the night, in my opinion, for both shows. And I'm going to, and I'm, I want to give you a, a small detail here, Dave, because I know people listen to me bitch and moan about the refereeing in AEW, especially in the tag matches. And now I want to give you something to really sink your teeth into as to why. I complain about those AEW tag matches. I'm not saying they're not exciting. I'm not saying they're not fun. But this is why AEW got a B-plus from me. Because of certain refereeing situations or lack of following the rules. Watch this. Last night, in the middle of that tag match with Birch and Lorkin and Brizango, Birch and Lorkin had a double-team maneuver uh, hold on uh, I th- uh, one of the Breezango guys. One guy like had a single leg crab and the other guy had like a, crav- uh, a rear cravat or a, a variation of a camel clutch. And they, they're both cinching it in. And the referee's tapping on one of the, one of the uh, uh, Birch or Lorcan's back and going, come on, man, you got to get out. You're not the legal guy. Come on, man, you got to get out. You're not the legal guy. And then he started to count one, two, and they broke the hold. Or actually, I think uh, one of the other guys came in and broke the hold for them. That five to 10 seconds of the referee doing what a referee is supposed to do and enforcing the rules and the law in the middle of the ring, to me, means everything. Because when you take that and you throw it out the window, it just becomes nothing. It just becomes four guys fighting for with, with no rules, no rhyme, no reason, no, no anything. What I saw last night in that tag match from the ref is all I'm asking AEW to instill in their tag matches. A little bit of law and order. A little bit of abiding by your own rules. Now, the referee in, in, in the main event of NXT last night is not what made that match the best to me. I really like the way that tag match was worked. I love the physicality of these guys. I like it that their work looks so crisp. And last night, across the board in NXT, you could see why NXT is the superior pro wrestling product because their athletes across the board are – they're not – light years above the AEW, but they're the levels that they're at. We see a lot of indie-rific talent in AEW. They're entertaining. They do a lot of good stuff, but you can see that they don't have the amount of seasoning or years under their belt as most of the NXT talent. I thought the NXT show last night may have been the best 
NXT show that I've seen in months. Now, people might say, wait, LaGreca, are you nuts? We've seen some quote-unquote takeover-like shows from NXT recently. I'm just talking about keeping me invested from the beginning of the show to the end of the show. And you do that with your matches. They did their storytelling and their development of stories in the ring last night. They did their uh, storytelling with their characters and personalities in the ring last night. And a lot of times in the WWE bully, we will say Elias is a perfect example. Elias will be a heel. And then a month later, he's a babyface without any kind of explanation without anything happening. It's just they decided, you know what, now he's a babyface. And then we look at Elias from this past week, and he's back to being a heel again without any explanation. What they were able to do last night is they made, you know, you talk about Lorcan and Birch, like they were able, they're heels now. How did that happen? It happened in the ring. Undisputed Era? It looks like they're going to be completely different. They did that with just something as simple as Kyle O'Reilly saying, you know what, you you guys have the match tonight. Like, just something as simple as that completely changes the landscape of what's going on within that story. And it's perfect. You don't have to overthink it. You don't have to have overproduced segments to make it happen. It's simple. And as you always say, Bully, when pro wrestling's at its best when there's realism and when it's simple and we got that last night on NXT and we we definitely got that from NXT last night and speaking of realistic and simple we're going to get into this guy later Eddie Kingston off the charts you just brought up another name Elias that's a guy that's a name that gets lost in the shuffle as far as an extremely entertaining guy. Didn't get a chance to mention it uh, on Tuesday, but I loved what Elias did on Monday Night Raw. I loved the the two songs that he played. I really liked the songs. I genuinely liked them. I thought they were they sounded cool. I was tapping my foot and bobbing my head. He's one of those guys that's extremely talented who could probably pull off something similar to what we saw last night with a Jericho and an MJF. So I just wanted to put Elias over there for a second. But as far as last night is concerned, uh, yes, the main event tag was, uh, was a really well-worked match. But I thought every match last night was really well-worked and entertaining for In the Middle of the Ring. Hey, everybody. This is Fran Freshella, host of the podcast World of Basketball. The game of basketball has truly become a global game. Markovic buys it in to Mickey, and somehow it goes in. Each week, I talk with the players, coaches, and executives who have led the way in growing the game of basketball around the world. Real Madrid have stolen victory from the jaws of defeat. Episodes are available every Thursday on the SiriusXM app, Pandora, and Apple Podcasts. Dave, check underneath your desk real quick. Look behind the door to your office. Make sure there's no bolt cutters there. <laughs> well, uh, come, I'm, I'm, come Sunday, though, those aren't going to be <laughs> those are not going to be needed because they'll be both in the cell. When it comes to the hell in the cell, one of the things that has gone on for a while is it seems like people are waiting for guys to climb on top of the cell and do stuff on top of the cell. I hope that does not go on. I'd like this hell in a cell match to stay in the ring in the cell.
I don't think it's going to happen. I, I don't think you're going to see any kind of outside interference. You know why, bully? Not they outside did- interference. Guys getting out of the cell just to climb on top of the cell. Oh, okay. But but also, too, we've seen a lot in Hell in a Cell where there has been outside interference. You know, the cell is supposed to keep everybody inside and everybody outside. We got the outside. We got the flair. We got the Christian. We got all that in the last pay-per-view. So I really do feel this is going to be that shining moment of this feud, at least as far as Drew McIntyre is concerned. Because I think this is going to be kind of a watershed moment for Drew McIntyre when you look at this run. And we've talked about it before, Bully, a very, very difficult run for Drew McIntyre, unlike any other WWE champion has had to withstand. You know, being, you know... You usually get the reaction of, of if something is working through the crowd interaction. There has been zero crowd interaction from the day he's won that title to the day he steps in that hell in a cell. So it's going to be interesting how it's going to unfold as it moves forward. And I personally think Drew has done a great job as champion considering the circumstances. I mean, think about it. You, you, you come back, you get built up. Uh, Vince is now giving you what, you know, he, he talked about on SmackDown many years ago, giving Drew the push that he earned, earned, not deserved. Yes. Drew earned every bit of this push in this championship. And now you're in Scotland or Ireland, as we saw on the W. You know, on the twenty four seven special, you're getting you're, you're filming promos for WrestleMania. You get the call, boom, WrestleMania. We're bringing you back. It might not be happening. Uh, it is happening. It's ha- it's happening in front of a cold in a in, in a cold room. And Drew, I think, realized that this is my opportunity, which I may never see again. And no matter what pitch is thrown to me, I'm going to hit it. Drew has learned how to hit the curve by performing in front of no people. Think about how hard that must. We're not talking about a veteran here. Um, Drew's been around for a while, but it's not like they've threw Brock out there or Triple H out there or uh, any guy out there who, you know, might have been able to handle the situation better. Drew, this is new territory for Drew. His return to the WWE and now the champion. New territory. All right, here we go. But we got to hit the brakes because of this COVID situation. I think he's handled it like a complete professional. Yeah, he really has. And if you had any doubts that this is your guy and this could be the face of your franchise, I think he's answered those questions. Because to be able to do this the way he has, I feel really bad. Because, honestly, we've seen a lot of uh, WWE fans that whatever the WWE has given them, they've rejected it. There's been, the you know, John Cena comes out, they, they sing Cena sucks. Roman came out there, they would boo Roman Reigns. I don't think you were going to get that with Drew McIntyre. I know the WWE is totally behind Daniel Bryan because he wasn't what the WWE wanted for the WWE universe. I think this is a win-win situation when you look at Drew McIntyre, Bully, because it's what the company wants, but I also think it's what the fan wants as well. This is the best of both worlds. It's a guy that the company could get behind, but it's also a guy that the fans could get behind as well. And one of the things about Drew that I think is unique is that he is presenting himself as a likable ass kicker. 
You yes. like Drew. I like when I see Drew uh, backstage doing his promos. I like hearing from Drew. Drew is likable. Now he's a big, bad mother trucking ass kicker. Also, a likable ass kicker. He's given me the best of both worlds. I'm into this guy. I'm sympathetic to this guy. And I want to see this guy kick some ass. And you know what else, too? Drew McIntyre is the type of guy you can have on TV. He could be on a talk show, and people that aren't wrestling fans will look at him and go, wow, that, that, that's a professional wrestler right there. That, that, that's Drew McIntyre, and we ha actually, we have Drew McIntyre on the line. So let's bring him in. Let's bring in your WWE champion just days before his big match with Randy Orton at Hell in a Cell, your champion, Drew McIntyre. Drew, how are you this morning? Oh, fantastic. How are you, lads? Thank you for having me back. I want to make this a more regular thing. I mean, listen, you're the champ. Anytime you want to come on the show, you're welcome to come on the show. And it's, you know, it's we've kind of, and it's crazy to say this, Drew, because every time we've spoken to you, you know, we, we talked to you about the big victory over Brock Lesnar at WrestleMania. We've talked about some of these title defenses that you've you've had, and you've been able to do it unlike any other champion in WWE history because of everything that's going on. And it it's almost like we've kind of evolved with this way that wrestling is right now. I mean, how would you define uh, your championship run so far, about six months in? Um, different, <laughs> because it's, there's never been a title reign, I guess, uh, like the one I'm currently on. You know, the night I won the title was the... Big show, WrestleMania in the PC without fans there. We've evolved, you know, figuring things out as we went, throwing things against the wall, seeing what works, seeing what didn't work, bringing in the performance center, uh, trainees as fans, eventually making our way into the Thunderdome and the whole time, you know, building who I am um, as a champion and as a character within such a unique environment without fans there and trying to make sure, you know, I'm coming across the way I want to come across, which is somebody that might, look like your stereotypical professional wrestler, but is somebody who's like everybody at home, is somebody who's relatable, is somebody who's flawed. And I think we're achieving that right now. But yeah, it's some different times we're going through, but I'm enjoying it all. Drew, you mentioned that the entire experience has been different, and I think we can all agree with that. And before you come on, we were talking about how you've handled this so well uh, and so professionally. Is there anything that you would have liked to have done different since you won the championship? Hmm. Honestly, I don't think so. You know, if I changed anything, you know, I might not be where I'm at and who I am and what exactly I'm doing right now. I've said that in my whole career, never mind the past six months. I would never change one thing in case the butterfly effect screwed me up in some way. So I've been very happy and proud of everything we've managed to achieve. I think, especially these past few months you know, with the Randy Orton feud, this has really kind of cemented me as a top-level main event performer. Everything Randy and I have been able to achieve is such a rarity to keep a feud going for three months these days, it's obviously going to come to a head this Sunday at Hell in the Cell. But I have been very proud of being able to keep up with Randy. We've done pretty much everything there is to do. We've fought him a limited number of times. And at the end of the raw this week, I know some people were on the fence about it. But realistically, what we're going to do is he going to drop me again. Is he going to beg off again? We're going to fight for the millionth time. If the cameras kept rolling, you would have saw what would have happened. Is everyone ready for what happened when the cameras went off? Randy Orton and Drew McIntyre broke into a song and dance, guys, but you missed it. 
<laughs> I knew they ripped it off from somewhere. <laughs> you stole it from us, damn it. <laughs> Drew, you just mentioned keeping up with Randy. Has it been difficult for you to keep up with Randy? And can you describe to our fan base what it's like to keep up with a performer like Randy Orton? I mean, you've got to be on your game in every possible way to try and keep up with someone like Randy Orton. Um, in general, in the past, when he's admitted himself, he wasn't trying. He was just so naturally gifted. He was one of the best in the world. But I don't know when it was. I think it was around the time Edge came back. He suddenly you know, found the next gear, if that's even possible, was so incredibly motivated and wanted to give it all to his promos. His in-ring game, you know, he wants to go out there and he wants to steal the show every single week. And it's a Randy that I've never seen before and it motivates me personally because I know, okay, I've got to step up to his level. And as long as everything comes from a place of truth, as long as I believe what I'm saying and believe what I'm doing, you know, I believe I can keep up with anybody. So I've been so proud of this particular rivalry, rivalry with Randy. And it's literally started in the PC. If you remember that particular promo with Ric Flair and Randy, you know, that was felt like so long ago now. We've managed to keep it going all this time. It's all coming to head this Sunday. We've really done some cool things, and it's probably the feud I'm most proud of. You know, Drew, we're going to see you with Randy Orton Sunday at Hell in a Cell. You can watch that on the WWE Network. And, and Drew, it's one thing that we saw Randy Orton get reignited with Edge. But Bully and I have talked about a lot when it comes to Randy Orton that he's kind of like – the wrestler you've overlooked in the WWE. You know he's great. He's one of the greatest ever. But he really kind of needed that dance partner that he hasn't had recently in the last few years. You have obviously been that guy. You have been the one that's really taken Randy Orton to a height that we haven't seen Randy Orton taken to in a very long time. And the matches that you've had have been classics. How proud are you of this body of work that you've been able to do with Randy? Yeah, like I said already, it's the few that I'm probably most proud of, you know, being champion and keeping up with not just Randy Orton, but Randy Orton, you know, going out there to steal the show every single night. And everything we've done, be it the, the promos, the build for the match itself, uh, or the actual matches, like SummerSlam, you know, that was your, you know, straight wrestling match, your world heavyweight contest, the way I used to like it, two big heavyweights going at it. And in the end, both of us managed to avoid hitting our finishing moves. I beat him with a wrestling hold. He won the greatest wrestling match ever against Edge. Therefore, what's that make me? And then, you know, we take it to the next level. Uh, he takes out the legends, heading into Clash of Champions. We have ourselves, <clears throat> you know, more of the hardcore match um, and an ambulance match. And we wanted to make it, you know, ambulance matches in the past, they've been fine. But we wanted to have the best ambulance match ever. We really wanted to tell a compelling story. And that's what it's all about with Drew term and Randy Orton is telling the best story in every situation, especially our matches. I enjoyed the story. Not everyone loved the fact the legends got involved, but I thought it was important to the story. <clears throat> they got in. Randy's got an excuse now, heading towards Hell in the Cell now. We're locked inside the cage. It's just Randy and I. It's going to end with one of our finishes, and I'm hoping <laughs> that Drew McIntyre will be standing there with his hand raised, going over with his finish. Drew, is this your first Hell in a Cell match? Yep, it's my first Hell in a Cell match. The only time I've been near the Hell in a Cell is when myself and Dolph Dean Ambrose and Seth Rollins ran down during Braun Strowman and Roman Reigns. Uh, Dean and I climbed the top of the cage. We clotheslined each other while we were out and brought Lesnar came down and destroyed Braun and Roman to the point that I remember Dean saying, 
Uh, they completely still, still, he might not see us. And I remember looking at him going, but like a T-Rex? <laughs> the kids brought a climb the cell both off the top. That's the only time I've been uh, around a cell was when I climbed it, and it's terrifying up there. It does not feel good, but it's a match I've really wanted to do since I was a kid. And the fact it's in this particular situation at the end of like a big feud around the Orton with the WWE Championship on the line, it's pretty cool. This is my first cell match. Drew, what was more nerve-wracking or terrifying, the climb to the top of the cell or once you get up there and you start walking around? None of those climbing back down. <laughs> okay. <laughs> right? If you can imagine, climbing up there is one thing, and the fact that like, they've got the footholds there, as you can obviously see. When you're live in the crowd or screaming and you've got big-ass feet like me, I couldn't find the foothold, so I scaled that thing with my hands only. It felt like my fingers were going to fall off when I got to the top of it. And then when you're up there, it's a little scary. But then when you're trying to get back down, imagine being legitimately 20 feet high. You've got to turn your back. You've got to hang yourself off that cage. You've got to somehow find those footholes or not find them and use your hands and scale your way back down 20 feet. That's the most terrifying part by far. Unless you want to jump off, which I don't recommend. <laughs> Drew, I mean, you've accomplished so much. And you have, you have hit the high, high as of highs now as, as WWE champion. Do you still get nervous? Like, before a match, do you get a little bit of butterflies? But yeah, every single time. I get butterflies before everything I do every week at TV. You know, I get butterflies. Uh, I get excited. <clears throat> and it's just, I guess, who I am. You know, I love it so much. And I'm confident in my ability. And once that red light goes on, it's game on. Uh, but... I'm naturally introverted. I'm not the most talkative person in the world, but when it comes to pro wrestling, I come alive. So I'll always be nervous, and the day I'm not nervous is the day I probably retire. Champ, really enjoyed your network uh, special. Uh, Two-part question. How did you like the finished product? And I, I read in an interview, or I heard that you wanted brutal honesty from your family and friends. Why was that so important to you? I just want the real story out there. Um, I've Since I turned face, I'm doing the air quotations right now, I don't really do much except just be myself. I've found that the more honest I am, the more I'm myself, the more that people you know, relate to me and start digging what I'm doing, even though, like I say, I might not look like your average Joe. And they started to relate to me more and more. And I've been in this business my whole life. The fans have watched me grow up. And I told my family, I was like, listen, if we're going to do my story, I want it to be the 100% truth. I want it to be the highest of highs and the lowest of lows. And they think they know the story, but they don't know the ins and outs. Tell them the ins and outs. And they're so proud of the way WWE put it together and told my story because I think we're at a time right now that people could do with a little bit of motivation. Maybe they are going through some difficult times, and if they can get a little inspiration from my story, and that's the coolest thing I hear from all my fans and these meet and greets and social media is you're really helping me get through some difficult times. So that's really what I'm all about right now is I'm represented as WWE champion. Whether you check out the show, that takes your mind off of things. If you check out Drew's story, you see the crap I've gone through and managed to become WWE champion one day, you'll know there's possibly a light at the end of the tunnel. You just got to keep believing. I mean, if you, I, I, I've, I've used you as motivation. Whenever my wife's not in the mood, I just show a picture of Drew McIntyre and everything seems to be okay. You need a little... It seems, <laughs> See, but but I think you're right, Drew. Is that for for somebody to connect with someone else? I think truth is always the best way to do that. Knowing the story, knowing the struggles, know how difficult that it is. That it's not easy. You know everything that you've gone through in your career. To me, that's why so many of the WWE universe is behind you as champion. Well, thank you. 
cool uh, that they relate to the real Drew because they've seen the real Drew, and if they didn't, I'd probably be my one feeling would be hurt. Uh, but the fact is, when I first came back, I was playing this big, angry, hairy Scottish guy, um, and the only person who could relate to me was the one big, angry, hairy Scottish guy in Scotland, pointing at the screen, going, "I get this guy," but no one else in the world did. But once I started telling, you know, my real story, letting people in, and just being honest, and you know, I'll sometimes if I feel like something's not working now, like I'm not shy to kind of voice my opinion and get things on the show. If I feel like, ah, man, I'm just not digging this shit, I've got a gut feeling about this, you know, I'll work it into the promos. Now you're not setting a script in front of like Drew McIntyre, Drew Galloway and saying, this is what you're going to say because I'm saying, well, I know who I am. It's, it's, a, it's a back and forth with myself, the writers, Mr. McMahon and getting the right message out that feels comfortable for me because I have to believe it or the fans won't believe it and then you just won't dig what I'm doing. So like a big thing for me, actually, we're talking about Hell in the Cell was I personally felt like over the past few years we've not put the cell over enough. It doesn't feel as big as when I was a kid and I used to remember hearing Hell in the Cell and I'm like, oh my God, it's a Hell in the Cell match. These days, I see some people doing promos and like, oh, we're fighting inside Hell in the Cell. And they brush off the cell part and it drove me freaking crazy. And I felt like on Monday, I was like, I have to put the kid over. And the kid in this situation is the cell. Like, I feel like people aren't putting it over enough. So I want to paint the picture. This is a last resort. This is custom built for injury. This match is demonic. Randy Orton has thrived in this environment. And I'm, I'm the underdog again. Oh, my goodness. And that's the big thing for me as well, is painting myself as that underdog as big as I am. I always want to be overcoming. And I think that's why the fans are going to hopefully keep digging what we're doing to keep relating because I don't want to be Superman. I, don't want, I want to be Batman. And we're going to see it on Sunday. Hell in a Cell, Drew McIntyre, your WWE champion, going up against Randy Orton. Drew, I'll be rooting for you. I hope you hit him with the Claymore. I hope you get the one, two, three. You, you look up, and this one's for LeGrec. I can't wait for what oh. we're going to see on oh. Sunday. Drew, congratulations, and thank you so much for the time, as always. No, thank you both for having me. I'll see you all next month. That's me got all the oh, passion gone crazy all the rants out in my system the greco still rant now for the rest of the interviews i have to take it down a notch so thank you guys <laughs> thank you drew and again you're gonna see drew mcintyre your wwe champion against randy orton at hell in a cell this sunday on the wwe network thanks for listening catch us monday through saturday on busted open from 9 a.m to noon eastern on sirius xm fight nation channel 156 the busted open podcast The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.